Hey, everybody. Coming up on the Matt Townsend Show, today I, yeah, I did a Google search of the word apologize. Did you know that there's 38,000 results that came up, all filled with statements of famous people who are on damage control from something careless they said? Are there times where you or I apologize and it seems empty? Have you ever felt forced to apologize? How did that go for you? And can we apologize too much? We're talking apologizing up next on the Matt Townsend Show. This is Sam McCall for BYU Radio News. Asiana Flight 214 was going 35 miles per hour slower than recommended before it crash-landed at San Francisco Airport over the weekend. The pilot was still in training to fly the Boeing 777 aircraft and only had 43 hours of experience with the plane at the time of the crash. After two weeks in a Moscow airport with no papers allowing him to leave or officially enter Russia, Edward Snowden now has options for asylum. Venezuela, Bolivia, and Nicaragua have all offered the NSA leaker protection from the U.S. where he would face espionage charges. Texas governor and former Republican presidential candidate Rick Perry announced today he will not run for re-election in 2014. Perry has been governor for almost 13 years, making him the longest-serving current governor in the nation. After being rushed to the hospital over the weekend after reportedly suffering a seizure, Teresa Hines Carey, wife of Secretary of State John Carey, is improving. Doctors have upgraded the 74-year-old's condition to fair. A district court judge denied a Guantanamo Bay prisoner's request to end the force feeding of hunger-striking victims today. The judge ruled only President Obama has the authority to intervene in the matter. In world news, 51 supporters of former Egyptian President Mohamed Morsi were shot early this morning outside the barracks where Morsi is believed to be held. Military leaders say a terrorist uprising sparked the shooting, but Islamist leaders are now calling for new protests against the military. Firemen in Quebec cut power to air brakes that could have prevented the train disaster as they dealt with a fire over the weekend. An engine that powered the brakes was turned off, according to the railway operator. That's the news to the top of the hour. For BYU Radio, I'm Sam McCall. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your relationship coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program. And as we start the program today, I would just like to start with an apology. Because I don't know how the show's going to go. And, you know, it's been a long weekend. I'm worried that it may not work quite the way, you know, it should. Who knows? Maybe it's just trash. I just want to say I'm sorry. I and I just changed the channel on the show because <laughs> I just apologized. Can a guy not can can a guy not throw out a pre-apology before something happens and that makes it all good? Look, I'll lower my expectations when I'm good and ready. <laughs> <laughs> you want to lower them on your own? On, uh, on your own. You don't want anyone else lowering expectations. They're my for expectations. You. I will lower them. See, I think that's a pretty neat thing because if you if you're not sure how it's going to go and you pre-apologize, then when you blow it, you're good. Like I'm sorry if what I'm about to say offends you, but you are seriously overweight. Yeah. That, Boom. See that? See how that's just that's, smoothed it over. Mm-hmm. Everyone's fine when that happens every yeah. time. I'm sorry. I 
I don't know how to say this, but I'm sorry if you're offended, but your food is horrible. And I'm sorry that you don't know how to cook better. Is that an apology? Because that seems uh, offensive. More food for me. <laughs> so Silver it's, lining. We're talking apologies on the show today. And it's a weird thing because Skyboy keeps apologizing. And he needs to. So we let him. But I – and I keep thinking, do I need to apologize to Skyboy for something? And then I'm like, no. So I accept your apology, Sky. You need to apologize for never buying me food. That's true. And I have bought you food before. You have. And I'm sorry up front. I'm just going to say it right now. I'm sorry that I will never buy you food. I'm just – I'm sorry it will never happen. But right. I want you to know Can sincerely I, okay I'm sad about it. okay to not accept apologies? No. Because <laughs> I don't accept that apology. Well, no, it was but – not sincere. Well, hold on. Oh. <laughs> It's. It was not only just sincere, it was highly proactive because I'm apologizing for really the future of all the food and meals you will not ever receive from I me. I wouldn't call not getting me something proactive. I'd call that inactive. Wow. You're actually thinking today, aren't you? <laughs> I really want food. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry that you don't feed yourself more. See how I'm throwing out the words I'm sorry a lot? Yeah, you're throwing and they're not, a lot. It's not changing <laughs> it's it, not is it? It's not helping, no. Well, today we're going to learn how to how to have a real apology because I think a lot of times, I mean, Paula Dean's apologizing. Okay, Paula Dean, she did. Uh, what's his name? Um, Anthony Weiner, who's going to be the mayor of New York. He apologized. It's all good. It's all good. Bill Clinton, he threw an apology out there somewhere. <laughs> somewhere in that somewhere in that year and a half, he did it. Boom. See, I think all you need to do is just say it. And if you say it, it's just it's good. It's as good as like a, an you know an apology fairy, rode in, on a unicorn. By the way, true thing. I saw a picture of a llama corn. I mean, I guess a llama corn is, is a mix between a llama and a unicorn, which I didn't even know existed. But I saw a picture. Was it just a llama with a horn? Yeah, a llama corn. A, sorry, llama corn. And so if I ride in on a llama corn, on a rainbow. With butterflies. How do you know it was a unicorn and not a rhinoceros? Oh, my word. It can't be a llamasaurus. It was a llama and it had a horn. It was a white unicorn horn. What are you thinking? I think if it was a mix between a llama and a rhinoceros, it'd be even cooler. Okay, I'm going to show you the picture, and maybe that'll just make you be quiet. You're thinking of a camel corn. Ooh, have you ever had candy corn? Good stuff. <laughs> this, this is taking a terrible direction far now. too soon. <laughs> it's Monday. Hey. I, I already apologized. I already apologized. Hey, you want to talk off. British people since we're way off topic? Yeah, let's go off topic some more. Talk about some British when people. When a British person says... A Brit. Yeah, a Brit. A Brit. Yeah. A Brit. When he says, I hear what you say, what is he saying? He's saying, you're right. You're amazing. Yeah, that'd be what I think. He accepts my point of view. No, you. a British person when he says, "I hear what you say," is really saying, "I disagree and do not want to discuss it further." <laughs> oh, it's like I hear you. I got. I, I'm hearing you. Or is it, we'd say, "Gotcha, gotcha, shut it." That's how we'd say it. Nice and dismissive. When a British person starts off a statement with, "With the greatest respect," <laughs> like a statement, "With the greatest respect," they usually would say, "I disagree." So yeah. they, they're they're like they're setting you up to say. I don't like what you're saying, but with the greatest respect, I will now disagree. And that they're listening to you, right? 
I guess. Yeah. When a British person sets up a statement with the greatest respect, he thinks you're an idiot. Wow. Yeah, no, I was on board for that one. Yeah, I get that. That makes sense. When a British person says, oh, that's not bad. It's bad. Yeah, that's what I'd think, that it's it's poor, right? Yeah. No, when a British person says, that's not bad, he's saying, it's pretty good. Huh. Wow. Why don't they just say what they mean? Because that would be too easy. Brits are confusing. Right. When a British person says, oh, that's very interesting. I do this one. Oh, I you know I use it. that means <laughs> what a mess. Exactly. They go, "Oh, that's nonsense." Yeah, when I use the word, "Oh, that's interesting." Well, that's not. I, yeah, I don't always use it that way, but it's usually like weird. That's it, crazy. It's really it's really like, "I don't know what to say, but I don't want to make anyone mad, so I'm just going to say something and then it's going to fill the silence and then we're going to move forward and I don't have to worry about this." Okay, so good. When Skyboy walked in the first time and I saw him in his outfit, I'm like, "Oh, that's interesting." Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If a British person says, oh, you must come round for dinner, what does that mean? Now, I've had a British dinner. That means you're going to have a really ton of carbs and you're going to just be carbo-loaded up. Sounds wonderful. But you'd think, oh, that's cool. I'm going to be eating at a British person's yeah. house, right? No, when a British person says, oh, you must come round for dinner, it means it's not an invitation. I'm just trying to be polite. That's the American equivalent of call me. Yeah. <laughs> call me. Talk to you later. Talk to you later. Yeah, have your people call my people. Yeah. If your professor comes to you at Oxford and mm. says, I, uh, here, I, I reviewed what you wrote. I have only a few minor comments. Oh, what boy. does that mean? It means that's, get ready. Yeah, that's, that's a professor's voice. That's universal, I think. It's not fixing academics. the typos. It means you need a complete rewrite. Yeah. In, with like a dissertation, that means you're delayed about six more months. I just have a few things I want to point out. I don't know. You're... Your hypothesis is completely bunk. It seems like with professors, a few can mean one, two, three, or 10,000. Yeah. But not in between. Nothing no. in between. My, my big one is just that your, your whole thesis and premise of your study is messed up. So start over. <sighs> but they'll say sorry. That's just not in Britain. That's not in Britain. That's everywhere. That's just academics. Imagine for a moment now that you've graduated and you're an executive working for a big firm in New York. Yes. And as you're presenting for the board, the board chairman of the board says, well, could we consider some other options? What does that mean to your proposal? Keep trying, pal. (laughs) Not even close. That's what that means. It means change it or I will change it <laughs> and give someone else your job. Let's consider some other options. Oh, that pretty much means I've got my way, so <laughs> shut it. We're doing it my way. Or it's like, we should see other people, meaning I've got someone I want to yeah. see. <laughs> but I know you don't, so bye. You guys know a lot of these. It's like you live in the British Isles. Or maybe enough British has trickled its way into America. See, I think but- these are universal. I think apologizing – see, those are all things we have to I don't apologize. know. If somebody said you must come round for dinner, I, would I think in, in the United States that means you're, you're going to go to dinner at somebody's place. I yeah. I mean I would, be, I would be bothered if someone kept saying that but like never invited me. Like if they don't bring up a date. Can you come by in the next couple months or next couple weeks for dinner? I think it sounds like let's, let's do lunch sometime. Yeah. yeah. That's like there it is. See. Sometime. Some, so how did we get on? So those are British thoughts, I guess. But I guess we... Which, which turn we, into arguments which require apologies. Oh. It's all on topic. Man. <laughs> Ooh, look what we did there. That was a really long journey.
Back to apologies. Back to apologies. So, Merritt, you've been doing some research on apologies? Sure. Research, yes. I've been looking for ways how not to apologize. Bad ways to apologize. Okay, so the, like, non, these are, these are Non-apologies. Okay. Yeah. This is a backhanded apology. Yeah. So, for example, what we already said, the preemptive apology. Oh, yeah. If you apologize, you really don't mean it. Yeah. And it probably won't be that sincere. And there's people, like, that apologize about their meal. You're not, I'm sorry, I didn't have much time on, and the meal's really incredible. The food that they made for dinner was amazing, yeah. but or, they're pre-apologizing, looking for like attention or something. And then they like you bump into them and they say, "I'm sorry." <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I did sorry not have anything to wear, and they're yeah. wearing these clothes that are amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Or well, when people people like are going to sing, they're like, "I'm terrible. I'm terrible." And then they get up and sing, and they're good. And you're just like, "Yeah, that was awful. That was." Horrible. <laughs> I mean, I know inside I know, that was good. Just, when people do that, I just want to agree with them, and I do. Yeah. Often. Like, yeah, you're terrible. It's just like, yeah, I hope your self-esteem is destroyed, dude. I mean. <laughs> That's that's too bad. That's funny. In fact, it's one of my favorite child care techniques. Really? The little kid runs up to you and is like, somebody did this to me. And, blah, and then you're just saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you feel that way. That is too bad. <laughs> they just like you're stare interrupting you with their my novellas. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you're interrupting like, my. You're acknowledging me, but I don't. You're not. <laughs> he doesn't know anything. <laughs> yeah. He feels kind of good, but then it's like yeah, you're it's dismissing like, him. I've been validated, but you're still not giving me attention. <laughs> That's bad. What are some more bad apologies? Some more ways. Vague apologies. So, like, oh, I'm yeah. sorry you did that stuff that. Yeah, I'm sorry <laughs> you're. Yeah. Or, or skirting the issue. So you say, like, I'm sorry I hurt your feelings. Not, I'm sorry I like completely offended you and called you a nasty name. That's right. Yeah. Or the one where it's like, I'm sorry that you're so weak. You can't handle truth. <laughs> yeah. So it's a subtle no. backhanded yeah. put down. I'm sorry you're pathetic and you don't get how great I am. Yeah. Or for blaming, blaming during an apology. Uh-huh. I'm sorry, but it's just like, I am this way. That's yeah. my favorite. Yeah. This is just who I am. I'm sorry you can't accept how I am as a person. Yeah, yeah why like, why I am just, I required to accept yeah. at all? <laughs> or it's like, I'm sorry, I just didn't get enough sleep. These are, last did night. this just come from your weekend? These are some great apologies. <laughs> this is just life. This is no. one weekend in Merritt's life. <laughs> I also like the demanding sympathy. Like, I'm so sorry, but I had the most awful morning and I was so I'm so sorry I was late, but yeah. this and this and this and this happened yeah. and then I was you know, cut off while I was driving. Yeah, or like where they have to justify the apology. Don't like that. And then some of my favorites are uh, the phrases that you use when apologizing, bad apology phrases. So I deeply regret the situation. You hear that on television. (laughs) I deeply regret... Calling that woman what I called her publicly, well, and then the like, press went crazy I deeply regret that me. I did that, because it's made a huge mess. <laughs> Not that they actually cared That's about what true. they did. But the best one, mistakes were made. <sighs> Something that is never said, or that is only said, <laughs> by the person who is totally wrong... Or an unfortunate mediator that's about to get yeah. clawed to death. Yeah. Well, then you always ask, so what What, what were the mistakes? Yeah, what, what were mistakes they? Mistakes were made. Well, you it's know, like... I know. <laughs> mistakes were made. Because when you say mistakes, that's very general. But, like, <laughs> they're only obvious, ones you made them. Yeah. So your mistakes. Just give me one. Just one mistake that you made. <laughs> it's just like, let's completely state the obvious, yeah. but make no attempt to fix it whatsoever. See, those are wussy apologies. They are. Which means they're not real. Okay. Well, here's another one, though. Okay. And that is over-apologizing. So you sorry constantly. I know. I'm sorry. Yeah. I do that all the time. <laughs> sorry. I really am sorry. I'm sorry. Sky, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry that I tease you. <laughs> I'm sorry. You never do that. 
Okay, well, here's something interesting. <laughs> Sorry that that trait that. of over-apologizing is usually stereotypically associated with women. Yeah. Okay, okay maybe, but there's... Maybe you do do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going to um, have to let you go. <laughs> Jeez. Okay, but there's a study done recently. Okay. And they, they studied... In the study, they had two groups. They had a group of men and a group of women. And um, they had them report how many times they apologized during the day to see if women apologized yes. more. Yes. Do they? No. Okay, here's I the thing. I think men apologize The more. ratio of apology compared to things they believe they've done wrong is the same across men and women. Just women think they've done more things wrong. Really? Yeah. So they just, their comprehension of misdeeds is like, they Elevated. think they've did, yeah. Is it, is it that they're accurate or are they just so either, hypersensitive? Yeah, either so, they're hypersensitive or men are oblivious. Duh. Either one. Yeah, I can go either way on both. that one. Well, yeah. I agree. Well, because it seems like a lot of times men apologize and they don't even, even know why they're apologizing. Oh, yeah. Of like course, this is the way to cover your I gotta back. shut it, shut it, shut it. I'm sorry. It. I got it. I'm, I'm sorry, bad. Yeah. I know. I'm bad. <laughs> oh, my bad. I'm an idiot. Anyway. Sue me. Yeah. So over apologizing is a problem, though, because usually it just makes other people feel uncomfortable. Yeah. It kind of it start, stops being sincere when it's said over and over and over. Well, and you feel like you're you're not. I don't believe it. Yeah. Like, if you say it too much, I don't even believe you're really apologizing. You're using the words. Well, it's just but you're not when people over apologize, heart. it makes me feel uncomfortable. It's like they're caught in some guilt trap that I <laughs> yeah. can't even help with. Yeah. It's like a guilt loop. You yeah. know what you do? You do what moms do. You put on the shaming shirt. <laughs> then we don't even need apologies. I think if we just took Paula Dean, I don't know who we'd put with Paula Dean in her shirt, but we put a Paula Dean <laughs> our shirt that's the shaming shirt. Like moms put their two kids that fight, and one of them won't apologize because the other didn't apologize. And it's not fair. So they, a mom makes a shirt called a shaming shirt. You put the shirt on both of them, and they have to walk around together until they feel love again. In the same shirt with their heads in the mm-hmm. same head hole? Yep. Heads <laughs> popping out the same head hole. Each of you get an arm. The other arm, I guess, you just hold hands <laughs> in the shirt. You do that to the world, guess what? Boom. You would never need another apology. Put Anthony Weiner. And the public he offended. <laughs> Put them together in a shirt. Boom. Could we do that with whole nations somehow? Oh, totally. Can you imagine? Or just a representative. <laughs> and we make them wear the shaming it's shirt. It's like the Olympics, but like the shame Olympics. Like yeah. you get to represent your country. and <laughs> You uh, represent in, in the grand apology. The grand apology. Shaming shirts. I think it's <laughs> going to catch on. So we either have to apologize to our spouse or you both have to wear the shaming shirt and go to a movie. Despicable Me Too. <laughs> Ugh, that's awful. Hey, it was just there. And I'm sorry that I brought it up. Um, this is the Matt Townsend Show. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we are going to be talking about apologizing. Think of in your life. Do you have somebody you need to apologize to? Or do they keep telling you you need to apologize because you're not coming to the party till you do? This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to BYU Radio. I spy with my computer-tracked eyes how this technology will change lives for everyone. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. Touchscreens were a breakthrough in computer interactivity, but we've seen the next step, and it's seen us too. They call it gaze interaction, which is a fancy name for tracking your eyes to determine what you're looking at and letting the direction and intensity of that gazing drive a computer mouse. The camera is built into the computer display or in an attachment you add to the screen. 
Using algorithms that track the very fleeting movements of your eyes and timing how long you look as well as how wide your eyes get, the gaze tracker does a credible job of going where you think you want it to go. Many users claim it's such an intuitive way to drive a computer, it feels a lot like telepathy. One company uses a modified arcade game of asteroids to promote gaze control. Everything on the screen is eye-driven and surprisingly controllable. Applications for cars are in development to let you activate controls without taking your eye off the road and to warn that you might be dozing off at the wheel. That trick alone could save 250,000 drivers a year in America. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Ron Simpson is a music veteran who knows an awful lot about the record industry. There are music opportunities galore for both local and national bands, for singer-songwriters, for solo keyboard or guitar players. And on the other end of the spectrum, you can even hear the strains of chamber music or a full symphony orchestra. The Tantera Hour, weekdays at 8 a.m. Eastern, right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. And once again, I apologize right up front for the show on apologies. We're talking about apologizing today, and uh, we're going to touch every kind of apology you can get to. Our own Bryce Tobin, just back from Hawaii, sporting an incredible leathery tan. I do what I can. Hey, if you're going to get skin cancer, I mean, just get just, skin I cancer. I mean, go after it. Right? No. You, you actually don't have any... I, I burned on the last day. Really? That was perfect. It well, was that's perfect. interesting because I don't see any. Uh, well, I, I I put on lots of aloe vera. boy, That'll do it every time. Uh, the public apology seems to irritate you. Uh, well, that's because uh, I don't know how sincere they are. I totally agree. Here's a few words from our own BT, a rant on public apology. Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is The Bryce is Right. Recently, it dawned on me that my generation, the 20-somethings of today, is the last generation that won't have every moment of their childhood immortalized by pictures or videos. Which is cool on the one hand, you're less likely to miss big moments like first steps. Also, in the future, I'm hoping for a plethora of mortifying pictures of fads the younger kids bought into. On the other hand, when we mess up, there's plenty of ways for someone to record it and get you in trouble. In a perfect world, we'd all realize that we should always be on our best behavior, but come on, that's not going to happen. And when you think about it, my risk of being recorded is nothing compared to those people who are actually famous. And when these people mess up, I feel like it gets blown out of proportion, but at the same time, they ought to know better. Cameras follow them everywhere. So once they've made their social faux pas, they're expected to make an apology, which reminds me of the times when a parent tells their toddler to apologize. Yes, because apologizing totally accomplishes your three objectives. To stop the behavior, to induce feelings of guilt, and making the offended party feel better about the situation. Oh, yeah, that doesn't do any of those. I'll grab two examples for you. First one is from politics. John Kerry in 2006 said to a bunch of college kids, You know, education, if you make the most of it, you study hard, you do your homework, and you make an effort to be smart, you can do well. If you don't, you get stuck in a rock. Oh, John. So, as you can imagine, that didn't sit well with a lot of people especially with those who don't like John Kerry. So here's his apology statement. 
I sincerely regret that my words were misinterpreted to wrongly imply anything negative about those in uniform, and I personally apologize to any service member, family member, or American who was offended. And you know, I can just feel the sincerity bleeding through your attempt to dodge blame. Nothing was misinterpreted. Your point was simple. Go to college and you're likely to land a white-collar job pushing papers. Don't go to college and you'll have a limited set of options. Enlisting in the military is one of those options. And people don't come back from Iraq ranting and raving about how much fun it was. Simple scare tactic. If you don't want to go to Iraq, go to college. But he delivered it condescendingly. I also enjoyed the part at the end where he gave his personal apology to service members, family members, and Americans. Because nothing says personal like generalized categorization. Second one is from Mr. Alec Baldwin. As the story goes, he and his daughter were experiencing an ongoing disagreement. Then there was the straw that broke the camel's back, and he left her a voicemail that was rather awful. Well, it got leaked, and people demanded an apology from him. Which I don't entirely understand, but here's the apology we got from his spokesperson. Although Alec acknowledges that he should have used different language in parenting his child, everyone who knows him privately knows what he's been put through for the past six years. Primary problem there is that Mr. Baldwin was not the one saying this, which makes it difficult to be taken as sincere. Then there's the condescending tone. The, you don't know the whole story, and it's really his ex-wife's fault, and you're a bad person for not knowing the whole story. Yeah, that's the way to win people over. Unless that wasn't your goal and you were totally going for the opposite. In which case, high five for the rampant success. All right, I'm out. And remember, don't forget to be awesome. Great examples. You brought in some real-life examples there. I, I tried to find probably the worst, dumbest debacle. Well, and they public. it's got to be hard to be a public person. You know what I mean? Because, all, all the attention, all the demands, expectations. Yeah. And then everything you say matters. Even though it really doesn't. It really doesn't. But then someone will force you to go apologize. Usually it's your PR person and your agent. You got to get out there and say something. Quick, before we get... But then, uh, then you just put your foot in your mouth again. Always putting feet in mouth. That's why maybe public people should be less public. I just, I kind of wish one would be like, sorry, I was, I was an idiot and that was a, a really bad thing for me to do. And I'm going to try not to do that. Sorry, guys. Like if they just said that, I'd be like, okay, cool. Can you think of a really good public apology that worked? Nope. Hmm. I can't. Either they don't make an apology. Yeah. Or it doesn't is, seem sincere. Which is whatever. Or they do the whole, this is what my lawyer wrote up. And yeah, you can't win <laughs> once you're reading it in, with legalese. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and, and really, why do we care? I generally don't. I know, but that's because that's your problem. Uh, maybe. My problem or my advantage? Yeah, it might be your human advantage because you just don't care. The rest of us, this is our life. <laughs> this is it. This is the be-all, end-all. I mean, it's we, Alec Baldwin. a lot of us get our parenting tips from Alec Baldwin. Do we now? <laughs> it's just sad that we let somebody have so much power. That's th- Those are public apologies, but I have clients all day long who have a, a public fight with their family, and they don't have an easy way to come back. They don't have a press agent writing a little release for them saying, you know, uh, mistakes were made. <laughs> mistakes were made at Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, people were hurt, and I sincerely apologize of, for your misinterpretation of what I said about your flabby arms. I did not say you have flabby arms. I did not say that. I said, whoa. Your arms resemble the turkey we are eating. <laughs> How do you get out of that? I mean, we don't have PR. We don't have a marketing agent. We don't have all these people. So instead, we have to bring in a pro. We're going to bring in an expert. Dr. Joseph Burgo 
is going to help us. He's a psychologist. You can go to his website, uh, after psycho- or afterpsychotherapy.com. We're going to bring him in. He is an author, a writer. He just wrote a book called Why Do I Do That?, which is a great uh, book that can help us kind of overcome some of our defense mechanisms that we have. We're going to be bringing him back, going three blocks with him, and trying to figure out why we need to apologize and what's the best way to do it. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to BYU Radio. BYU Radio to color your world. Eric Dowdle is a renowned artist who paints pictures about unique cultures and locales every weeknight on BYU Radio. On Traveling with Eric Dowdle, you'll discover hidden gems through the eyes of locals, including the kinds of things you just can't miss. Listen to Traveling with Eric Dowdle weekdays at 9 p.m. Eastern, another great BYU Radio program to color your world. Find it on Sirius XM Channel 143. BYU Radio, talk about good. This is Sam McCall for BYU Radio News. National Transportation Safety Board officials have confirmed Asiana Flight 214 was flying at well below the target airspeed just before the crane plane, excuse me, crashed at a San Francisco airport over the weekend. The pilot of the flight was still in training on the Boeing 777 aircraft. Venezuela, Bolivia, and Nicaragua have each offered NSA leaker Edward Snowden protection from the U.S., where he faces espionage charges. So far, Snowden has made no public decision about accepting asylum from any of the three and is still reportedly in a Moscow airport. The longest-serving current governor in the nation, Texas Governor Rick Perry, is not going to seek re-election in 2014. Perry has led the Lone Star State for almost 13 years and says the time has come for him to pass on the mantle of leadership. After being rushed to the hospital over the weekend after reportedly suffering a seizure, Teresa Hines Carey, wife of Secretary of State John Carey, is improving. Doctors have upgraded the 74-year-old's condition from critical to fair. A district court judge denied a Guantanamo Bay prisoner's request to end the force feeding of hunger striking victims today. The judge ruled only President Obama has the authority to intervene in the matter. In world news, 51 supporters of former Egyptian President Mohamed Morsi were shot early this morning outside the barracks where Morsi is believed to be held. Military leaders say a terrorist uprising sparked the shooting, but Islamist leaders are now calling for new protests against the military. Firemen in Quebec cut power to air brakes that could have prevented the train disaster as they dealt with a fire over the weekend, according to the railway operator. The calamity has left 40 people still unaccounted for. That's the news to half past the hour. For BYU Radio, I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're taking on a subject I think, uh, you know, it fits everybody. At some point in our lives, regularly, quite honestly, we probably need to apologize. And some of us aren't very good at it. Some of us wouldn't know an apology when we got hit in the face with it. Some of us use them way too much. And so today we are uh, taking on the whole concept of apologies. How do we do it? When do we do it? Why is it so hard? 
and how to make it authentic. And we've asked a wonderful guest, Dr. Joseph Burgo, is a clinical psychologist who's been practicing for more than 30 years. He's a regular contributor to The Atlantic and uh, the blog's Psychology Today. He's the author of the book, Why Do I Do That? Psychological Defense Mechanisms and the Hidden Ways They Shape Our Life. He also has his own website and blog, afterpsychotherapy.com, where he writes about personal development issues from a psychodynamic level. Dr. Burgo, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, Matt. Sorry, my mute button was on there. Nice to be here. <laughs> You're good. Good to have you. Um, I mean, apologies, that's a big deal. And yet, and we see it all over. We, we, these public people are the ones, I guess, that get to make the public apologies. But really, everything we see going on in public, it seems like we're also seeing a little parallel of it in our own personal lives as well. Yeah, the only difference is, is that we don't have millions of dollars at stake in product endorsements. Yeah. I mean, the whole Paula Dean thing, let's get into that. And we don't have to, you know, there's a whole side of it that none of us really know because we probably don't have all the information. But that's a pretty, that's a pretty quick public fall. It, it was stunningly fast. I mean, it was amazing the speed with which all of those companies dropped her. And, you know, it, it says something for the power, um, you know, the power of political correctness in the marketplace and how intolerant people are of anything that smacks of racism. Yeah. And, and especially like belated. I mean, it's delayed racism. It's a comment that was made many years ago, I guess. Um, yet it's, it's just not tolerated. Absolutely not. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's unclear to me. I, I looked at um, the, some transcripts, her deposition. She said that she had used the word more than once. Okay which she denied when she was on the Today Show with Matt Lauer. So so that creates other tension. Yeah, yeah, you don't know what to believe. No, and then, and then we contrast it with a Lance Armstrong. Yeah, you know, Lance, I, I don't, you know, I can't speak to other people, but watching him in those interviews, he just, he didn't, he, he said the right words. Mm -hmm. He took full responsibility for lying and influencing other people to lie, and he called himself bad names, but it just completely insincere. There was no feeling there from, you know, from my perspective. Yeah. It's like on a psychological level, humans are wired to know if you're, li if you're lying, maybe, or if your apology is sincere. We, we can detect that, right? Uh, absolutely. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see what people thought about Paula Deen's yeah. Um, apology, because she was cer was certainly emotional. Yeah, heartfelt. I mean, there were tears. Whether or not you believed it, I mean, because she had it, she managed to turn that around and make herself the victim while apologizing. Yeah, I thought that was kind of a masterful stroke. <laughs> I mean, really, that somebody wrote that really well. Oh, I mean, yeah, that's a great writer. I mean, but part of it too is, I guess. Um, but, but then maybe the other thing is there's other data. There's other data like maybe she said one thing in one dis deposition but not in another. Or there's just more information we don't know about, but we do see that it's unraveling so fast. I mean, we're we're picking up all of these signs. Like, I don't know if you heard earlier in the show, we were talking about, you know, kind of some of the ineffective apologies where we, you know, do a backhanded apology but end up blaming the other person or – you know, all these generalized apologies that aren't specific. We have these little tricks, don't we, about how we apologize and how we, you know, how we go about it. 
Well, I always say that a, um, a genuine apology never includes the words if or but. There you go. So, because the, the, way, the way I get here apologies from most people is, you know, I'm really sorry if I hurt your feelings. Yeah. But, you know, it's like, what do you mean if you yeah. hurt my feelings? I mean, Hello? It's like, yeah, I mean, it, it takes the apology back while you're giving it. <laughs> That's the backhanded. Yeah. I apologize. Oh, okay. If, ah, hurt. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. And it, it also it kind of contains this implication like, well, you know, if you're so sensitive that this hurt your feelings, then yeah. I'm sorry. If you're so weak, you can't handle real-world experiences. Right. I'm sorry. It drives me crazy. Um, that is... We're going to get into that, and I know you've got some great lessons to teach us. When do we know we need to apologize, A, and when, you know, public apologies too. When does when does a comment, when does it necessitate a real apology for a, for a public person, and when do we know, just as regular folks, that it's time to apologize? It seems obvious, like when someone's hurting— when someone's hurting, obviously. For, for the public figures, I, it's time to apologize when your product endorsements are in danger. Yeah. yeah that's, that's when you're that's losing when your money. Gonna, right. Or when you, when you get exposed, when you thought you could get away with it, then it's time to apologize. Uh, I don't know. I'm very cynical about no, but it. I, th- that's why we just probably don't believe the, the public apologies of a lot of these people, because we know it's tied to the economics. We know it's tied to the, to the money. Well, and with Lance, you know, it, he only apologized when, you know, the United States Anti-Doping Agency had built such a strong case and had witnesses against him, and they were getting ready to move. He really kind of didn't have a choice. Yeah. So how sincere is an apology when your back is up against the wall? Yeah, exactly. What, what do you think about, like, the Twitter apology or the social media apology? Nah, no. <laughs> Because then you're just apologizing to your peeps, right? You're just apologizing right. to the people that are your closest followers. Right. Yeah, and, and how, you know, I don't know, how much feeling can be conveyed in a tweet? <laughs> exactly. Then you're, then you're, you're just, I guess, that, well, that's probably why, because then you can be nonspecific. Right, right. Which is but really, as, again, not... As for us, you know, us everyday folk, there, there's... Obviously, when somebody else is hurting, but the other the other sign I know for me personally, when I know I need to apologize, is when I'm busy justifying it in my head, yeah. proving to myself that I didn't do anything wrong. Because the minute you're justifying, you're I guess you're into the defense. Exactly. Exactly. It's uh, it's such a human thing, though, isn't it? Like, I didn't say anything rude to her at Valentine's Day or whatever. We didn't, and we start getting into our story. But we know she's hurt. We know whatever was done or said, even if it's not understood, there's pain involved. But instead, we just go make our story up and strengthen it. Well, it's hard. It's hard to bear guilt. Yeah. I think none of us likes to feel guilty. We don't like to feel that we that our actions, even if they weren't you know deliberate, that we hurt somebody else. We want to like defend and we want to ward off that feeling and make excuses for ourselves. I think that's just human nature. I do too. Boy, humans, our nature's kind of messed. <laughs> we lie to ourselves a lot. <laughs> we really do. That's the, that's the issue, huh? Because it's kind of this delusion that we, are, we don't hurt anyone, that there's joy everywhere and there's llama corns, which right. is a mix between a llama and a unicorn, <laughs> which a lot of people don't believe in, but I just saw a picture of one. It's, uh, it's the delusion, isn't it? 
It is, you know, and you know, in my book, the defense mechanisms, I call them that they're lies we tell ourselves to avoid pain, and that's what human beings do, is we find ways to avoid pain whenever we can, and guilt is a pretty painful feeling. It is. is there, are there other feelings that we get into that drive this? Well, I, I think the other, the other big one is shame. Mm. Um, and, you know, it, it's one thing to apologize for uh, one particular oversight. Let's say you forgot somebody's birthday. Yeah. Then it's kind of, that's not so hard to apologize for. Oh, my God, I'm so I forgot, sorry. yeah. I forgot. And I was really busy at work, and that, which is my excuse for forgetting your birthday. But what <laughs> if you have to apologize for something that's kind of part of your character? Uh, what if yeah. you're the sort of person who's always saying insensitive things yeah. because you're kind of an insensitive person? It's hard to admit that about yourself. It's, you know, it just brings up such bad feelings of shame about who you are. Uh, who can deal with that? Well, so then your apology is like the great admission. I'm a loser. <laughs> I'm a loser. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and that's it. That's why we don't go there. You know, guilt and shame pretty much sums it up for me. Man. Well, and because and, we have this identity, don't we, the, this, this core of who we think we are, which isn't usually accurate. You know, it's not complete. Right. And we've, we've already been, like, throwing a lot of real evidence off forever. Like, yeah. oh, don't, don't, don't remember that one. That one's, yeah, don't remember that one. I mean, there, there are the people who beat themselves up for everything and have a very low self, you know, very low view of themselves. But most of us tend to think much better of ourselves than we deserve. Mm-hmm. We give ourselves way too much credit. Yeah, well, we'd be a mess if we weren't so yeah. self-serving. <laughs> we just have to look at ourselves in the mirror, like, ah, look at me. I'm a loser. But that that's the downside. That might be the people that come out and apologize constantly. Right. And that and then and those kinds of apologies don't feel so great either, because if someone's constantly apologizing, I don't know, it just feels too general. It feels like they're saying something something else. Yeah. Is this, I mean, as a therapist, it's interesting because a lot of times when we're fighting with somebody and we're building our story and we're justifying it, we don't, we don't want to go into the personal self-exploration about us. Um, Is that what keeps us stuck in the rut is because I'm not going to evaluate myself or the truth of what happened here. And so we just stay stuck. Well, Absolutely, and, and you know, a big part of a big part of my job as a therapist is to get people out of you know the blame self justification position into looking at themselves, looking at things they don't want to see. You know, they actually pay me to tell them things they don't want to know. Yeah, and then so have you ever had them just say, "Okay, yeah, well, you don't fully understand." <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> it was a nice Sometimes try. It was a really nice try. Back. It's a I'm big sorry. deal. I just think, Joseph, that you've got a hard job because you have to—people are paying you to help them. You, you try to give them some light and truth, and you don't know everything, but you have great questions, I'm sure. And um, then, then, then it comes down, which is probably the core to an apology. We can't just force someone to apologize and have it be healing. Right. No, we can't. Um... You know, the, the, for someone to apologize and make it be really healing, I, I think it has to have, 
you've talked about some of the features already earlier on, but first of all, it has to be sincere, right? Yeah. You have to really feel that they really mean it, and they're not just saying it to get off the hook or to get you off their back or, you know, for whatever reason. It needs to be timely, I think, um, you know, within, you know, within knowing that they've hurt somebody. They need to, you know, take responsibility fairly quickly, and that is the thing. They have to take full responsibility. That well, means, like, no ifs and buts. Well, and that, I think that's huge because that's... And that's even harder because to take full responsibility, you'd have to almost be fully or more fully aware of of what part you played. And, and sometimes that's the, the game we play is we don't really want to know what part we played, huh? I, had a, I have a really good example. Yeah. And this, it, was, it was interesting to me that this happened last week when we had this date on the calendar. To yeah, talk, to come talk about this. I was hiking with one of my best friends who I hadn't seen in about six months. And we'd been out hiking for a while, and at one point she turned to me and she said, we have to clear the air about something. You know, I, I sent you an email in March about my, you know, my friend's husband dying, and I told you how sad I was, and you didn't answer. Mm. You didn't answer the email. And I just, I just stopped, and I just said, that's just really inexcusable. You know, it's just, I'm really sorry. That's just bad friendship. And then I thought about it some more. And I said, you know, I've been really self-absorbed this spring on the writing projects I'm doing. And I just, I think I just got so wrapped up, I, I just wasn't paying attention. And I'm really sorry. Now that, That's huge. That, that was hard for me to do. It took, took some kind of soul-searching and not feeling so great about myself. Yeah. Well, that, that's kind of the ugly nougat, right? The ugly yeah. core of it. But you didn't justify it. You didn't want to pretend to turn it into something else. You owned that. Yeah. That's huge. I think it's really hard for people to do that because I had to sit with that, you know, really bad feeling about myself afterwards. You know what? Who wants that? No, nobody does. Let's uh, let's take a break. We are talking right now with Joseph Burgo, Dr. Joseph Burgo. You can find him um, on his website, afterpsychotherapy.com. He's the author of Why Do I Do That?, which is a, it's just a great book, The Psychological Defense Mechanisms and the Hidden Ways They Shape Our Lives. He's helping us understand apologies, the power of an apology, and the need to go deep inside uh, to sometimes face some of the ugly things about each of us. And by doing that, it'll help facilitate a true, a, a real, uh, effective apology. This is The Matt Townsend Show. We'll be back more here with Dr. Joseph Burgo on The Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Through the Garage Door is BYU Radio's look into rock and roll, where we play songs and the music we're passionate about. We need, the reason we listen to music is what it makes us feel. I mean, sure, it's, it's fun when music makes us think, but what, it, what we're really going for is what it makes us feel. Through the Garage Door airs on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 11 p.m. Eastern, only here on BYU Radio. On Thinking Aloud, you can hear host Marcus Smith talk with guests about a variety of topics. The subjects can range from superheroes to religion, sometimes even in the same conversation. One of the things that I have learned through studying superheroes and thinking about superheroes is that genuine spirituality is actually harder to do 
than a certain kind of orthodox religiosity. Join us for Thinking Loud at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. BYU alumni Ron and Lynette Bybee. So me and some recently returned missionary buddies arrive at the dance at the Wilkinson Center. Through the crowd, I see this beautiful brunette smiling at me. The next week, I go to the library, fall asleep, and wake up to see her across the way smiling at me again. I don't even remember that one. The following week, I get this valentine. I bring it to her at the library. I drop it in front of her without saying a word. It said, really appreciate your smile. I called home immediately. So I eventually take her on a date to a fireside at the Smithfield house. At the end of the date, while walking down the hill back to her apartment, I said, He said, eternity's a long time, isn't it? (laughs) Chances are the relationships that changed your life started at BYU. Share your story at alumni.byu.edu slash update. Remember when, remember why. BYU alumni connected for good. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend here. Today we are talking about apologies and the importance of understanding kind of the deeper cut to an apology, maybe really to understanding yourself a lot better um, when it comes to apologizing for, you know, anything that we've been going through. We're talking right now to a wonderful guest, Dr. Joseph Burgo, who has been a clinical psychologist for 30-plus years. He's a regular contributor on the blog uh, Psychology Today and The Atlantic, and he's the author of Why Do I Do That? Psychological Defense Mechanisms and the Hidden Ways They Shape Our Lives. Dr. Burgo, thanks for joining us. Nice to be here. Now, help me with this one. Is the apology for me, the offender, or is the apology for them, the offended? Who, like when we're apologizing, who's, what's the goal? Who really is, who's the, who's the source of the, the health? Why are we apologizing? Well, I think it's for both people, but primarily I think it's for the person who's wounded, right? You right. have to acknowledge the wound and, you know, try to make amends for having hurt somebody. And yeah. what if the hurt was just interpreted hurt? Because of their junk, their problem, yeah, their that's fears. A one. Yeah, because then it's like, I mean, I will apologize if you want me to, but really, you're messed up. Yeah. It's not me. Yeah, and, I think in those cases, I think it's better not to apologize because it's not going to be a sincere apology. Right, yeah, it won't, it won't come out right. Mm-mm. No, because you'll, you'll, you won't be saying that second half of what you were thinking. Uh-huh. It won't be, it won't, that's the sincerity function, right? It won't right. feel sincere. Um, and, like, I have a lot of clients that, that it's a mother-in-law fighting with a daughter-in-law. And somebody said something rude about someone else's shortcake. And it's game on. And yeah. it's it's not going to go away. And it's, it, and like you were saying, we, we get caught up in these defense mechanisms. Um, and now, then it becomes kind of dueling defenses. Well, and then it, then you've got you get into a whole other class of you know apology, the diplomatic apology, which which isn't really sincere, but is done to make peace. Yeah, 
What does that sound like? Um, you know, I'm I'm really sorry that I insulted your you know your shortcake. Yeah, it's delicious. <laughs> you know, and it's it's the, everybody knows it's for form's sake, right? And you're you're saving people's pride, but it's it, it feels like it just feels like a whole different category. And then it seems like, um, I mean, yeah, yeah, okay, I feel better. Does it really release the other person to feel better if they know the real argument isn't about a cake in the first place? Yeah, I know it doesn't, but, you know, often the mother-in-law and the daughter-in-law don't really understand what the fight's actually about. Yeah. It may be something really deep, like, how dare you have taken my son away from me? Yeah. Um, and then I don't think any apology is going to help there. Yeah, because it's not about the cake. Right. And then you fed him pie. <laughs> and he's eating right. all this pie with you and gaining weight that he never gained with me. Oh, boy. is Aren't relationships and life, they're just so complicated, aren't they? They really, really are. And the the apology, though, it's it, – and I guess, too, it can help me um, – just to offer it, especially if I can go find truly where I was complicit. What can I own of what needs to be said here? Was I rude? Was I, uh, was, you know, is my personality one that is a little offensive? And own it. Because if I could truly find some truth in what we're saying here, I guess that would foster sincerity and some change. It, you know, that's the thing. It's, but it's, those truths are often very painful things we don't want to admit. That's right. the problem. I have, a, I have another short anecdote yeah. of a, another apology that I, I don't think I made very skillfully, but it reminds me of the problem with apologizing. Um, a, a very successful writer was over for dinner at our house one night, and um, somebody had made a remark about thinking that she had a problem with men in positions of authority, and she was, like, incredulous about that. How mm-hmm. can you say that? And I said, well, I think you have problems with men, which coming from a therapist carries a certain amount of weight. Yeah, and it was very hurtful. Yeah, game on. It was, it was very hurtful. And I had to think about it. And I, I, I had to realize that, you know, God, that was really mean. And it's because I'm, I'm envious of her, her success as a writer. And it was just really awful to face that. But, you know, it's also made me realize how important writing is to me and being successful as a writer. But, ugh. Yeah. Of doing something that's that insensitive out of envy. Ouch. What do we do? What what would you suggest or some things that we could just do personally to um to be able to deal a little bit with that yucky pain and hurt that we cause others? How do we cuz you have got two great examples you've given us where you just kind of you just kind of let it be and you, you didn't immediately fight it. And you didn't immediately agree with it. You probably it seemed like you just let it kind of settle in on you. That's that's it. Um, you know, it's it's very hard to face the truth, which is that everybody has shame about some things. Everybody has envy. Everybody feels angry and hateful at different times. Those are all part of human nature. It's hard to accept that when we're we're bombarded with images of ideal people all the time in the media and to think you're supposed to be like that and you're just supposed to be this kind loving person all the time it's hard to let yourself be imperfect oh yeah it really is so part of it i guess is allowing some space for you to actually be imperfect right 
and even being really adept at noticing your imperfection without without using it as a mechanism to just be mad at the world or to create a fake shame. Right, right. Or to beat yourself up with it. Yeah, right. I think this is the, the trouble that most people have. We're all, you know, most of us are so hard on ourselves that when we see something that needs some work or we see we've got a problem, we can, we can just come down super hard on ourselves and feel like we shouldn't have that problem. That's the other, that's another defense mechanism. Yeah. The beat down. The beat down, beat it out of existence. Yeah. Which is, it's interesting. It seems like we'll then go, you know, beat ourselves up, create enough of a stir that we aren't even noticing that our, you know, our insensitivity hurts someone else. Right. I also think that in that, you know, that thing, that's when we beat ourselves up, it's, it's almost like, I call it the, the cycle of crime and punishment. You yeah, know? oh yeah, you're taking, you're going to, you're going to do it all. You're going right. to adjudicate you've done it. your time and now you're free. Now you're, now that problem's gone. Yeah. But that's it's a- interesting, like your friend with your, 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 your best friend that you hadn't seen for months, it's been stewing in her for six months. Yeah. Hmm. I'm lucky she's a therapist. And also, and she knew how to say it yeah. in a way that wasn't hostile and blaming. It was just, ouch, you hurt me, and you're really important to me. So I was able to hear it because it was very well said also. Yeah. Did she set you up more than, I mean, I guess she's had the, like, the, the cue line, hey, I want to talk to you about something that's been bothering me, or whatever she said. She set you up so you knew it was coming. Yeah, she said, she, we're, she was ahead of me on the trail, and she just turned back and she said, we have to clear the air about something. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, but it was okay. It was all right. And, you know, it, she's just very tactful because she had, you know, we had spent a couple of hours together talking at a deep level already. Yeah. There was a feeling of intimacy, so there was, it was a good time to bring it up. She didn't just, like, she wasn't, didn't come loaded for bear and shoot me. That's, <laughs> that's good, especially because you're out in the woods. Right. <laughs> um because that that seems like part of the problem as well, huh? With our apologies, because a lot of times we're just offended and then we go demanding an apology, right. so we don't have that intimate space where you 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 were you had a space with her where you could be vulnerable and admit your weakness. Right, right. She didn't get me my back up against the wall. That's so hard. It is very hard, especially if you are hurt and angry. Yeah. And that's the the other thing we haven't said about apologies is I think apologies need to leave room for the other people, the other person to be hurt and angry and not not demand that the apology erase their feeling. Right. There's some people I know who who talk about apologies and they say an apology should should include a request for forgiveness. I don't go along with that. I say that you don't place any responsibility on the other person. You say you're sorry and that's it. Because for me, I don't know if, if this is the same for you, but I've had, I've had apologies, and it takes me a while to get over being angry after I get the apology. I can't sure. be forgiving right away. Right. Yeah, it's almost like you need to process it, like, right. and process almost the chemistry out of you, and even your new thinking of it. And I mean, because there's still a lot of data you don't even know. Right. There's a lot of data that could be brought in that still needs you still need to deal with in the middle of an apology. Yeah. That's powerful. Talking with Dr. Joseph Burgo from the website afterpsychotherapy.com, we are discussing apologies. 
and his book, Why Do I Do That? Psychological Defense Mechanisms and the Hidden Ways They Shape Our Lives. You can find that book on his website, afterpsychotherapy.com. We're going to take a break, come back, uh, talk a little bit more with him about what constitutes an effective, authentic apology. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. KBYU-FM, HD2, Provo. Whether it's the big picture or the minute details, Marcus Smith loves to discuss anything and everything about the world around us. We're always talking about the big picture. The big picture is good to see. But I suspect that where we are lacking is in our capacity and our appetite to think about the smallest things. Start your day off with Marcus Smith on The Morning Show, weekdays at 7 a.m. Eastern, only on BYU Radio. This is Sam McCall for BYU Radio News. National Transportation Safety Board officials have confirmed Asiana Flight 214 was flying at well below the target airspeed just before the plane crashed at a San Francisco airport over the weekend. The pilot of the flight was still in training on the Boeing 777 aircraft. Venezuela, Bolivia, and Nicaragua have each offered NSA leaker Edward Snowden protection from the U.S., where he faces espionage charges. So far, Snowden has made no public decision about accepting asylum from any of the three and is still reportedly in a Moscow airport. The longest-serving current governor in the nation, Texas Governor Rick Perry, is not going to seek re-election in 2014. Perry has led the Lone Star State for almost 13 years and says the time has come for him to pass on the mantle of leadership. After being rushed to the hospital over the weekend after reportedly suffering a seizure, Teresa Hines Carey, wife of Secretary of State John Kerry, is improving. Doctors have upgraded the 74-year-old's condition from critical to fair. Force feeding of hunger-striking Guantanamo Bay prisoners will continue after a U.S. District Court judge declined to grant a request to end the practice. The judge says only President Obama can intervene and end the controversial practice. In world news, 51 supporters of former Egyptian President Mohamed Morsi were shot early this morning and over 400 more were injured when military and police forces opened fire. Army officials say terrorists provoked the attack, but Islamist leaders are now calling for an uprising. Firemen in Quebec cut power to air brakes that could have prevented the train disaster as they dealt with a fire over the weekend, according to the railway operator. The calamity has left 40 people still unaccounted for. That's the news to the top of the hour. For BYU Radio, I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your relationship coach, your guide on the side. We do what we can on this program to give you the tools you need. Today, we're talking about a wonderful tool called the apology. Do you feel like uh, you're very effective at apologizing? Do you recognize when you need one? Do you notice what keeps you from giving it? We've been talking with Dr. Joseph Burgo who's been talking a lot about our shame, our past shame, our pride, the mere fact that maybe we're somebody that actually hurts somebody. That's, you know, that's enough shame and 
blow to our pride that that might keep us from apologizing. Dr. Burgo is a clinical psychologist. He's been practicing for more than 30 years. He's a contributor on a lot of different blogs, and he's the author of the book, Why Do I Do That? Psychological Defense Mechanisms and the Hidden Ways They Shape Our Lives. Dr. Burgo, welcome back. Thank you. It's very nice to be here. It's really good to have you and somebody that has gotten into these defense mechanisms fairly deeply. That's a big deal, isn't it? We are kind of wired to self-preserve and protect. Well, you know, I think you can't get through life without defense mechanisms. There's just too much pain. You, you know, you just have to find ways to ward it off. You can't live with it constantly. And we want that, right? I mean, it doesn't just make us crazy, literally. It doesn't just make us so inept and incapable. These mechanisms also serve a purpose of making us kind of minimize certain things so we don't get caught up in it. It helps us moving, to keep well, moving. you know, the, the example I always like to give is, um, you know, the reality of death, regardless of your religious beliefs, is, you know, it's difficult for mm-hmm. people, and you, you know, you can't, you can't live with the constant awareness that time's running out. You can't, you can't live that way. You right. can't function that way. So I think all of us, in some, to some degree, live in denial the primary defense mechanisms. We live in denial of death. I mean, I know I do. Yeah. No, I know it on an intellectual level. I, I operate as if I'm, you know, I've got an infinite amount of time. Until <laughs> you're on the mountain with a, with a therapist that's a little mad at you. <laughs> then all of a sudden you're like, my time may be ticking away. <laughs> that's right. So as far as an apology goes, you've given us some great advice. One of the keys that constitutes kind of the effective, authentic apology is it has to be sincere meaning it has to, I guess, be coming from our healthy place, not our, not our defense mechanism. Right. Okay. And by the way, we would know it's sincere. Why? Well, like, like you were saying earlier on in the program, I think human beings have, you know, they have radar for that, and we can tell yeah. someone is being honest or when they're just saying words. I mean, like, you listen to Lance Armstrong, and just about everybody knew he was not being yep. sincere. I don't think anybody was in much doubt about it. It's really, it's amazing, because that's actually pretty powerful, isn't it? Because it tells us as humans, you know, you can feel it. Mm-hmm. Trust it. I mean, trust that feeling to a degree. Sincerity is is key, then, to an authentic apology. Timeliness, you were talking about, we, we can't let, we don't want a lot of time to pass by while we're processing this, um, and then bring it up later, because it just, that kind of just, I guess, reeks of inauthentic. Well, and meanwhile, the person who you need to apologize to is hurting and, and stewing. Hmm. Right? So it's a building. Huge. Do we so need to apologize? Oh, go ahead. The longer it goes on, the longer it goes on, the worse it is, I think. Yeah. Do we need to apologize even if they don't think there needs to be an apology? You know, I think so. I think for, that's when the apology is really for us. Mm-hmm. We're, we're owning something you know, will help us to face something about ourselves that we need to confront. So I think, yeah, I think even then. If we want, if we truly want to be whole. Well, it's, yeah, it's a growth opportunity. Yeah, that's powerful. That's a great way to see it, because then it's not about, it's a correction, but it's a self-correction, which is a growth moment. Well, like with my friend who I, I had not answered her email, it really put me on guard. You know, I'm not that makes it sound too defensive, but it's made me aware that I've got to pay more attention. I've got to be more sensitive because I've been just being too preoccupied with what I'm doing. 
That's great. And that is actually leading to your other point of being fully responsible. Like, own fully your part of the game. Right. And like I said, never use the words if or but in an apology. Yeah, because that's the great, I guess, discount, isn't it? It is. I'm sorry that I hurt your feelings. I'm really sorry. But we all know you're sensitive. Right. <laughs> that just we sneak it in there. It's so funny, and it really is. It eliminates everything we've said prior to the butt, right? So right. I really, you're wonderful, and you're right. You're right. I should, I blew that, and I should be spending more time focusing on my relationships, not my writing. But I do have a deadline, and yeah, mm. that's that's the, the the yeah, that's taking it back. And it's funny; those are just words. They but, are just, they're, but they're big words. If and but are big words. Yeah. And they're, they're words for your brain. I mean, your brain uses them subconsciously to, to actually as rules, right? Yeah. So it's like, yeah, if you use the if. So, so if we don't use ifs or, or buts, I always teach we use ands. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you have to say the opposite. Well, but, you know, you could still, you could, you could say, um, I'm really sorry I hurt your feelings and you're overly sensitive. Yeah. And that might work. And you might get stuck on a mountain with a bear. Yes, exactly. It's, um, tell me about, uh, when you're talking about an apology, I guess it shouldn't be this long diatribe. It, I guess the, the simple, sincere apology, heartfelt, is, is, is really the one people are going to buy off on more. Well, well, right. I mean, like, and if you contrast that with, you know, Paula Dean, you know, weeping mm-hmm. for 15 minutes on the Today <laughs> Show, I mean, it just went on and on, and I'm so sorry, and uh, those of you who have no sin, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's overly emotional. Th- th- then it really kind of reeks that it's really more about her. Right, right. Again, well, she, I, we read that. The victim we? of the media going after her. Yeah. I mean, everyone's got a story, right? right? I mean, everyone's got a reason why, or a justification why, but I guess in the end what you're saying, too, is leave the story home. Right, because it, it just, it, it almost inevitably goes into self-justification. Yeah. I mean, the backstory is always the reason why you shouldn't be too angry at me for being insensitive. Yeah. Well, and then what's great about it is we can always throw our parents under the bus. <laughs> Because have you met my mom? I'm just like my mom. And then, boom, we just throw her under the bus. And in reality, they just want you to just show you cared, that you actually recognize that you hurt someone. And, and, and let, them, let them be hurt and let them be angry. Validate their feelings and leave them room. That's, that's one of the hardest things. I've gotten people have apologized, but if I didn't instantly accept it and exonerate them, then they got defensive right away. Yeah. Like, I cannot believe, yeah, you're not accepting my apology? Exactly. Now you're bad. Can you give me a minute to process? Yeah. And, and literally what you're saying, though, too, is we don't have to have this kumbaya utopia right then. No. I, in fact, I think, I'd say no. Yeah. That, well, maybe that's forced, huh? It seems forced to me. I just say, let it go, and, you know, you pick it up the next time, and hopefully you can both move on. How do you know it's worked? I mean, I guess your your example with your friends a pretty beautiful example of how you know the apology actually was authentic. 
Well, I'm just thinking about the other example I gave and how that apology didn't work. Yeah, that didn't work. That did not work. Even though I apologized and kind of owned my stuff, I think it was there was enough damage done in that moment that it was kind of, we couldn't recover from it. Yeah. And that's sometimes the case. Sometimes the apology can't fix it because there's too much damage done. Right. Or at least perceived damage, huh? Right, right. And again, too, I guess maybe that's part of this is, okay, I mean, I guess we, we've done what we can. It is what it is. We can't make it into something else. No, all you can, that's it. All you can do is to own your bit and, you know, try and be honest about it and apologize. And if, if that's not enough, well, there's probably something else going on. Yeah. Nothing you can do anything about. Hey, what about uh, if they don't accept your apology, referring them to a therapist? <laughs> What do you think of that one? <laughs> I think that's a great idea. It's, yeah. sure, it's sure to go over really well. Yeah, just check how that goes. Send in your, e- send in your mail to Dr. Joseph Burgo. Um, we'll have him send it to you, Doc. It's really uh, it's such a personal thing, and it's your progress. It's your, it's your growth. It's your development. That, that's why I, just, I always find it so funny when we have people demanding it. You right. are going to say you're sorry or we're not going to have dinner with you ever again. Sorry. Yeah, and that feels like there's something else going on there. Yeah. Don't you think there always is? They're trying to they're trying to unload something on you. And control, aren't they? They that's our way of I guess at least pretending like we still have some control over everything. Well, and you know like that kind of angry blaming demanding the demand for an apology. That that um that feels like, oh, you know, when, when someone wants to rub your face in it and humiliate yeah. you, yeah. it's kind of hard to apologize under those circumstances. What about bringing it up over and over again? So, I mean, is there a rule, though? I mean, it's one thing we have to heal, but if, I, if we've done something and there's been an apology and it's, at what point do we not bring it up? I mean, the, the injured party? Yeah. Well, if the injured party keeps bringing it up after there's been a full apology, then that says to me that it's, that's that's person's problem. That's theirs, yeah. You've done what you can do. You've done what you can do, and they probably they experienced it as some horrible humiliation that ties into their own feelings of self-esteem, and they just can't recover from it. Yeah. That would be my guess. Hey, give us uh, one more thing. What's Okay, if we had to chalk it all up, if you were going to give one piece of advice, and you may have already given it, but what's the one thing? When it comes to an apology, what's the one thing that you see makes really the biggest difference? And, and how do you get there? I think you, you, know, you and I have both identified it. It's, it's sincerity. It's really feeling sorry. I mean feel bad that you hurt somebody if you know that goes a long long way if some if you if you come to me and you say i'm sorry for hurting your feelings i really feel badly about that and i and i sense that you really mean it that's huge yeah well that having gone that deep to actually feel it inside of you it's going to come out in what you say you may right. not you may you may not be eloquent but the that feeling of compassion or or sorrow will will it'll come out Right. I mean, that's the thing. Compassion, empathizing with the hurt they feel. And if you can go to that place, then the apology is going to work. Yeah. Huge. Yep. Dr. Joseph Burgo, thanks so much for being with us. 
It was great talking to you. And they can find your book. I know they can go to your website, afterpsychotherapy.com, and order it there. Can they also order it at Amazon? And It's in digital and print versions on Amazon. You just search my name, Burgo, and the title, and you'll find it. You did a great job. Appreciate it. We will for sure have you back to, uh, you know, I want to get more into some of these defense mechanisms. I'd love to talk about it. We'll do it. Doctor, appreciate you. Uh, Again, go check out Dr. Joseph Burgo at uh, afterpsychotherapy.com. We're going to take a break, come back, answer some uh, viewer mail right here. Actually, not even viewer mail. Uh, People are asking me questions from the Internet, and I'm going to answer them if I can. Anyway, I'm sorry. I just blew that. Can't do anything right. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll take a break. We'll be back right here on BYU Radio. On a chemical level, we're all left-handed. A new instrument in development might prove we live in a left-handed universe. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. So what's this about everybody being left-handed? Well, it's not about handwriting, but about organic chemistry and the search for life on other planets. You and maybe part of that hamburger you're eating are made up of proteins. The various proteins, in turn, are built from smaller substances called amino acids. There are 20 different kinds, and if you look at one on an atomic level, they have a sort of polarity called chirality. Aminos come in left-handed and right-handed chiralities, but on Earth, all living things we know of use only left-handed amino acids. And so far, samples of amino acids from comets and meteoroids also are all lefties. Stephanie Getty at NASA Goddard Space Flight Center won Innovator of the Year and a $1.2 million grant to develop a miniaturized instrument that can fly to icy moons and worlds and use liquid chromatography to see if this precursor for life exists out there away from Earth contaminants. Was Earth life seeded with left-handed aminos from early comet impacts? When perfected, Getty's device may help answer this question and more. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Welcome back, kitties, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we have been dissecting apologies. And um, I think we're on the verge of a monumental moment. Skyboy, our board operator, is about to apologize to me after learning the importance of apologies. Go, Sky. Does it count as a real apology if the offended forces the offendee to apologize without any preconceived knowledge does it count yeah yeah then i'm very sorry matt though that didn't feel sincere i i am really sorry i try dig dig a little deeper matt i specific i sincerely apologize for what for all of my yawning during your exhilarating radio show because it really is exhilarating i really do enjoy your show matt see that (laughs) felt good that i don't know why but that felt really good (laughs) That felt really good. I think it was the word exhilarating. The show was very exhilarating. <laughs> it's so exhilarating. I yawned through it. Actually, well, I felt pretty good about that. Yeah. That was good. Thanks. I accept your apology. Thanks. And because of that, there is a one in 20 chance I'm going to bring you something to eat. Wow. I'm going to apologize more often. Maybe yeah. get up to one in 10 chance. It never happened. 
But you have other show hosts that'll bring you food. This is true. There's so, other show hosts that appreciate I mean, my services well, more. Well, you don't know how that affects me because, you know, I thought you were, I thought we were a team. Our friendship was enough. Yeah. And then you bring food in. And I tried to share that food with you also, and you turned it down. Well, we had shared it after we made a really big scene about it. You wouldn't take any. Well, because I didn't know if it was spiked. I didn't know what you were doing. <laughs> my mom used to always look through my candy. I was just a li- I was a little offended that were I you? offered you food and you didn't take it. I'm so sorry because maybe- you came in sincerely to offer me that food, and I'm true. sorry I didn't take it because I couldn't trust that you hadn't spiked it to kill me. I'm sorry that you tried to kill me. Well, because that's an example, folks, <laughs> of a non-apology that was framed as an apology. Thank you for the role play. Yeah, no problem. <sighs> Do you guys feel better? I feel like a Bond. I feel kind of awkward, actually. Do you? Yeah. Well, maybe it's the outfit you're wearing. <laughs> maybe it's the cape. Uh, okay, so the internet asks Matt, huh, Robbie? Are you ready? Yes. Got a long-distance relationship, two people in their young, 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 young 20s. Is this this like isn't 20. your relationship. This no, is someone no, no, that no, wrote no, no, something. No. Okay. Somebody writes in saying uh, they've been dating about two and a half years. They Skype every morning at breakfast. Wow. Sat down. He had fixed uh, bacon, which is <laughs> not really bacon. And it did the, the bacon juice had gotten in the eggs. The whole thing tasted bad. The bacon tasted bad. The eggs taste bad. And he told his girlfriend, and she started giggling, and she says, See, I told you fake meat is bad news from the devil, which is, I guess, he a, line, so. from, a line from a TV show. It hurt his feelings quite badly because he'd worked hard on that breakfast. <laughs> so he's upset and tells her that she hurt his feelings. She thinks she doesn't have to apologize because it was only a joke. Is he right in asking her to apologize for accidentally hurting his feelings? Sure. Next. <laughs> Profound. <laughs> okay, is he right? Okay, yeah. He's, his feelings were hurt. A. B. Your feelings were hurt over Fakin. The, minute, the mere fact you have the word "fakin" in your vocabulary, that deserves an apology. But I, but I think we're dealing with a deeper issue. <laughs> oh, okay. The fakin is the smoke. The fakin, okay, it may have been smoking. It's the smoke. It is the I think smoke. the fire is uh, pretentious vegans. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's what I think it is. No disrespect actually, actually, to actually, pretentious vegans. I, there's a line in here I missed. I know that she thinks eating vegan is silly and all hippie. Okay. So I think actually that is the That's it. Cause. See, that is it. Solved There's it. a fire right that there. That is the deeper issue. And so he feels hurt. Not has nothing to do with the eggs that were made with the faking juice running into the eggs. I guess the fake eggs. <laughs> no, the faking juice eggs. That's what you call fake it. Faking juice eggs. I don't know. Which should <laughs> just sounds like a sounds like a smoothie to me. You just thought of mixing them together. It's not that. So the bigger issue is, though, but she's almost like dissing his his lifestyle. You're putting down my beliefs of being a, veg- a vegan. Hmm. That's it. So is, is he right? Yeah, you're hurt. And you've been dating a girl for two and a half years, Skyping breakfast somehow. I don't know how he got the eggs to her over Skype. Did he no, mail them? No, they talk at breakfast. Oh, they talk at breakfast over Skype. Yeah. They share, they share breakfast together even though they can't actually share the breakfast. Wow. I'm really trying to put together your mental picture that you had of what was going on. Yeah, it's And messy. it's a little dumbfounding. Like, 
That's amazing. You've been sent a breakfast platter. Accept or decline. <laughs> the breakfast is here. Oh, bacon, bacon and eggs. Um, anyway, so she's she probably is being maybe a little passive aggressive with him, taking a taking it on the bacon. She's probably just teasing, having fun, thinking she could. He's sensitive to the deeper issue. I'll bet you bucks there's a deeper issue that he's really afraid of. She's not buying into his lifestyle. You know, she wants some real protein uh, from a from a real piece of bacon. I don't know if there is protein in bacon. There is, but I don't know if it's real. Um, anyway, powerful. Okay, so my advice, um, get over it. Get to Denny's. Have a Grand Slam breakfast and be friends. Don't let Fakin separate you. Another angel. <laughs> Got its wings. Okay, Colonel Sanders. Okay, next one. The woman writes in to say that her sister-in-law sent her a Facebook message explaining that uh, the baby shower was coming up. Oh, boy. Here we go. go. But apparently... Sister-in-law, baby shower, had said something rude to her at one point. Oh, boy. Here so goes. she replies to say, well, I'll come to your baby shower, but only after you re- uh, apologize to me. Well, a week has gone by. She hasn't gotten her apology yet. So she's wondering if there's something wrong with her Windows phone. Probably. Because sometimes Windows phones don't, you know, they'll bounce messages. Back, oh, yeah. You know? It's totally a phone issue. I mean, it seems <laughs> obvious. And totally not, you know, an, uh, an issue of unrealistic expectations no, or that's entitlement. that's a phone issue. What she might want to do, because it apparently works for other couples, she ought to try Skyping. <laughs> Skype it in. Call her little sister-in-law or whatever it is. Here's the truth. Lady, you've been uninvited. You uninvited yourself to the deal. You're not going to the shower. Maybe that was her well, plan all follow, along. That was it. Don't ever question. give an ultimatum. <laughs> her follow-up a- question is, should I send a message that says, hey, did you get my message? Or should I just leave it alone? What well, she really is questioning her phone. I, I bet you there's other intelligence out there that would say that she's been uninvited or she, the other person was hurt because she sent that letter. Personally, what I'd probably do, I'd go confront it head on. I'd say, look, we had some issues. I was offended by this. I sent you this ultimatum and I haven't heard from you. Let's go talk. Okay. Grab yourself some bacon, and let's go talk. They can make a call on the Windows phone. I, I personally, they need to go talk. Because you can throw the ultimatum out. It didn't work because you don't even know if your phone works. You could try borrowing your mom's phone, but that would just be two offensive comments you'd send. The ultimatums don't work. We just learned that from our great doctor. You can pretend and try to force somebody to humble themselves and and, and be real, but the reality is, is this person has another reason why she doesn't want to confront this. You have a you're angry about it. Let's go have a talk. If we don't want to go, we don't have to go. You can always blow it up after that. So Skype Skype together and and talk it over before we go. Another angel got its wings before a shower. I always feel better after the ding. I do too. That's you know what? That's a, put that on your t-shirt. Okay. That's great. Another long distance relationship here. They're across the country from one another. She Decided that it was time to go meet potential mother-in-law. Oh, boy. Here we go. It's, these all have the same – anyway. So they had it all scheduled. Uh, he got time off work. He planned out what they were going to do. Uh, they bought the plane tickets. 
And at the last minute, she canceled because she started having really bad flight anxiety yeah. and panic attacks and things. And it feels really bad about it. And apparently my potential mother-in-law is pretty upset about that too because you don't just yeah. bail on her son at right. the last minute. You know, She wants to call potential mother-in-law and apologize. But the son, the boyfriend, says, no, 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 mom's just – being irrational is normal. You have anxiety. It's not your fault. Don't call her. Don't call her. Ooh, that's interesting. Okay. Um, remember one thing. You, you probably shouldn't have intermediaries in your relationships. There's going to be a day that it is going to come down to you and mom going head to head. It's going to happen. And this guy's running in between. There's also probably a lot of data that sh- this young woman doesn't know about her mother-in-law. Like That's why he's like, don't you dare go near her. <laughs> Do not talk to her. Don't bring this up. We're fine. Um, I personally believe in the end, I wouldn't let I wouldn't let the spouse come between you and your mother in law. If you have problems with your mother in law, you need to have a relationship one on one with your mother in law. If I were the guy, I'd get out of the way. Now, I'd also get very real and go find out what is really going on. I feel strongly she needs to know about it. It might also be that he knows that mom in law won't approve of a wife to, that we're about to marry. That. Has all of has some emotional issues or anxiety, and by the way, it doesn't matter. We are it's already being manifested. She can't make it to your house without a breakdown. So, I'd be more real. I'd let her go talk to mom, and um, let's start having these conversations. Heavens, apologizing does not always mean that you're wrong, and the other person is right. It just means that you value your relationship more than your ego. It's quote of the day. And another angel just got its apologizing wings. That's three in one show. That's a that's a threefer. Yeah. See? And it costs you nothing, folks. Just keep listening to the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be back tomorrow with more ideas, tools to help you through life. Remember, life is good. And apologies can make it even better when they're sincere. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. 